Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everybody, Robin here, and today Dora and I will be answering some very important questions. We've got one about when a loved one begins believing conspiracy theories. We have a question about how to ease your guilt when you're not meditating. And we also have a question about what to do when you feel addicted to your phone. Let's get right to it. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace, a podcast where I sit with a meditation teacher and we answer your questions. Hi, Dora. Look at us. New year, new us. Or is it really, it's just this, it's the same us, different year. Or does it matter? Not at all. Um, I think that if there's a lot of pressure for you to be a new person when the year starts, I feel like that just causes so much pain and suffering <laughs> in life, unnecessary pain and suffering. I'm on a self-improvement strike right now. So Ooh. I'm just enjoying life and I, I feel so much freedom in that. So I would say new year, same me. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing I haven't changed even a bit since our hiatus. Yep. So <laughs> if that's, that's the right answer. <laughs> but yeah. we had a little bit of a break. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm like yeah. ready to get right to our first question. What do you think? Let's get into it. Okay. Here's Jules with their question. 
Hi, my name's Jules. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm from Germany. And I've been struggling with my relationship with my mom since November last year. She has started to believe in conspiracy theories and really lost touch with reality. And it's been very, very hard for me. It's been a, a big shock. We used to be very close and now I I don't feel comfortable around her anymore because I'm I'm kind of scared about what she could say because I've seen how how strange things have been in her mind when she she was sharing many of these theories in the beginning of that I don't know journey she went on and I've established a few boundaries where she doesn't talk about it much with me anymore um, but I just want to know how I can stay grounded and still believe what I believe in while the person that raised me has kind of lost touch with it all. Thank you. Jules, thank you for your question. I mean, I, this is a really hard one. Right in the middle of the questions, Jules said it. They feel like there's a loss. And, and that, yeah. that was the very first thing that jumped out at me is, is this a person that you know was one way and now isn't and there's you've lost access to them in some ways and that can yeah. just be very very difficult yeah i think i spent most of my life grieving a lot of people who are still alive hmm. on the earth you know and having to grieve a loss but it's like this person is still here yeah. <laughs> and around sometimes when you think about grief you think about someone that has passed away but oftentimes when we outgrow certain relationships there is that grieving process and I think about like a mother-daughter relationship or just the relationship that you have with your mother like that is a different type of loss yeah. knowing that you have this history with them and you've created a certain relationship with them and now they're someone completely different. Yeah. But I do want to name that they also expressed that they've set a boundary, which I think that's important to highlight of like being able to set a boundary because it's really difficult to do it with your parents. Yes, it's very difficult. <laughs> Extremely difficult. But yeah, I just wanted to name that that's really important and I'm really proud that that has happened. Yeah, it's, you know, Jules, it's what's interesting is I heard so much of my experience with my mom. And what's interesting mm. is that it was through addiction. My mom had mm. these behaviors that were unhealthy and were harmful to herself and then also mm. to me. And so I, too, had yeah. to set a boundary. And it, it was really difficult because while, while she was alive, like, I was having to try to maintain a relationship with a person. But it was like we couldn't have a full relationship because yeah. she was still doing all these behaviors that I was saying, like, you can't do those behaviors around me. And so first and foremost, it's just I have a lot of compassion for you because it is it reminds me of that thing about forgiveness. The thing that people say about forgiveness is that you don't forgive once, you have to continuously forgive. It's the same thing with yeah. this kind of situation. Like you have to keep putting your boundaries up over and over and you have to keep looking to yourself to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. Well, I think the thing about compassion is like we are understanding the pain of others, yes. right? And so when I think about this question and I think about 
why people choose to believe in certain conspiracy theories, right? Sometimes it provides them a sense of safety and comfort of something they're trying to understand in their own reality. Have a lot of compassion for Jules in the way that they are having to now see their mother. And then I also have a lot of compassion for the mother because, you know, my whole spiritual journey started with conspiracy theories, right? Me trying to make sense. Yeah, me trying to make sense of the world, right? And I think there's like this continuum of being too far off (laughs) and starting to think about all these different things. And then there's the other side where it's like spiritual bypassing. Wait, what is that, Dora? What is spiritual bypassing? It's like using spirituality as a way to bypass the like the hardship. They're not really in touch with reality. And I think that's what conspiracy theories do in a sense, right? It's a way to cope with reality, but you may not be in touch with reality. But I think you you named something about forgiveness here. And something that's been really helpful for me and my parents is like recognizing that they're human beings. Mm. So I was literally having this thought on the way here. I was on my fo- on the phone with my mom last night for like an hour and a half. And like teenage me could not do that. But me and my mom were kicking it like homies, oh. you know. <laughs> and it's taken like a lot of time for me to rebuild that relationship with my mom. Because for so long, I saw her as my mom, yeah. as a caregiver, as this person that's raised me. And I placed her on a pedestal of like, you can only be this thing. And now as... I guess I'm a little bit older now and I'm like, oh, you're a human being on your own journey and on your own path. And it took real work and intentionality and compassion. But now I'm not so offended when she does certain things because I'm like, that's your journey, you know, but it takes a lot of skillfulness to be able to do that. Yeah, I think that compassion, that's such a good point, Dora, because it is, I know it's very easy to slip into approaching it like, why are they like this? Or why are they like that? And it's to be able to see the compassion in it. Yeah, (laughs) I have a compassion practice that I use um, when I'm just trying to navigate difficult relationships. It's called Just Like Me. And, you know, I'll bring that person to mind. I'll see them in my mind's eye. Um, And I'll just start to remind myself, like, just like me, this person desires care and love. Just like me, this person desires freedom. They desire uh, friendliness, warmth, like all these things, because then it allows me to connect with, like, the humanness. So the person that is behind the conspiracy theories or, you know, distorted beliefs about the world and remembering, like, you know, just like me, this person's a human being and I can connect to that. And it starts to soften any like angst or anger that I may have towards my parents or an ex or whoever it may be. I think when when I can get to compassion for people, I can then hold a different space. You know, when I think about my mom, like I I always held the space right up until the day she died that there was a world Mm -hmm. in which she got help and she lived her life more fully. And I held that space and in case she ever wanted to, I knew I would be there for her. And I wondered, Jules, if that's something that you can do for your mom. It was never anything I said to my mom. And it was, and I also had to, at the same time, manage the what is and what is real. And that's where the boundaries came in and the self-care came in. But holding those two things at the same time, I think, you know, because I always wanted to remain hopeful that she might come back. Yeah. And Yeah, the self-care piece. Thank you for sharing that. It's so important because when we are resisting to see someone as they are Mm. or we're really caught up in the expectations of who we want someone else to be, for me, I find that physically draining. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I find it tiring. And so rest, being supported by a therapist if you can, journaling, 
allowing those words that you would want to say or desire to say to your mother to live on the pages of a notebook, but really finding the things that you can connect to that help you to feel grounded and safe within your own body because that safety maybe that you're seeking with your mother may not be there. So it's so important to find that safety in your own mind and body. Yeah. And I I don't often suggest anything with social media, but like that in today's day and age, Jules, you are not alone yeah. that this has happened to many, many people. And there may be groups out there of other family members who are struggling with, a, you know, someone yeah. who's kind of gone down the rabbit hole. So I would I would yeah. look out for something like that because you might hear other people saying, I did this and this was helpful. You might just feel less alone. And I think all those things are always good for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the the silver lining of social media yeah. at times is like there's a group for everything. There really is. Everyone. There really is. Yeah. Well, good luck, Jules. We're we're sending you so much um, you know, love and empathy and and compassion because it's not that is just not an easy situation. Yeah. And I hope that you're able to even forgive yourself. Oftentimes we think that there's something wrong with us when it comes to our parents and if they're struggling with something and if that's how you're feeling, I don't want to say that that is how you're feeling, but if you are, I hope that you're able to also uh, be compassionate towards yourself because this is a, a difficult thing to navigate, you know, and it's not really spoken about when we think about family. At where I come from, you have to be loyal to family no matter what. It's like toxic loyalty almost. Um, and so for me to set boundaries or to have those difficult conversations, it's like you're betraying your family. Mm. So I hope that you're able to, yeah, just be kind to yourself and extend grace to yourself as you navigate this issue. Well, thank you, Jules. Okay, here is our next question. How do I let go of the guilt of not meditating or not going back to my meditation practice after a while? Yes, Dora, I would like to know the answer to this yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> Story time. I think I shared this with you before, but the first time I tried to meditate, I tried to meditate for an hour. And I didn't meditate for two years after that because I felt so guilty and ashamed that how meditation was like shown to me and how it was being advertised like the greatest thing ever mm. for me. It was like the most horrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that there was something wrong with me. So I didn't meditate for two years after that. And I think with this, like there's different types of guilt. You know, there's the guilt that can motivate mm -hmm. us to then do better. And then there's also the guilt that can keep us stuck. And so I think it's important to recognize that guilt and see if there's a way for you to connect to the motivational aspect of it of like, yeah, you know, I, ha I haven't been able to meditate and that's okay. There's so much going on in the world. Maybe you have a lot of responsibilities. Um, I'm creating a new habit after years of maybe not practicing. So being able to reframe this relationship with guilt because guilt, when it keeps us stuck, is such a heavy burden to bear. There's no movement there. We're just kind of like stuck of like, okay, well, what do I do now? Yeah. I really want to invite you just to maybe reframe that relationship to guilt because it does serve uh, a purpose in our lives. Yeah. Is there a freedom in embracing, and, and does this go against the practice? Is there a freedom in embracing that you're an on-off person, that you're an all-or-nothing person, or the type of person that you are, or the way that you approach it? And when you get it in, it's good enough? Or should you be striving for daily? Like, that's the part that I get really confused about. I mean, 
So with my teacher hat on, yes. I'm like, yeah, you want to do it daily, even if it's for a minute or two minutes or three minutes, right? Because three minutes is better than no minutes. But then from a human perspective, I'm like, for sure, there's going to be days, there's days and weeks where I don't practice at all. But then I also see those moments of me not practicing as a part of this process as well. So, you know, going back, okay, well, what got in the way of me sitting for three minutes in my day? What am I prioritizing over my practice? Like, I'm sure I could cut down three minutes from my social media time (laughs) to sit and notice my mind, (laughs) right? So assessing how you got there, like what was in the way? What excuses did you make? Holding yourself accountable because that's also a part of the practice as well. And then working from there, setting an intention. Okay, uh, in the morning before I use my phone, I'm going to sit for three minutes. Mm. Um, And maybe you do that for a month and then you start to do it for five minutes or four minutes or whatever it is, building up your practice. But I feel like there's like a militant way of meditation. And then for me, I'm like, I'm a human being that has so much going on. And I think that if I'm able to fit it in when I can, um, that's that's important. (laughs) is important. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like, like Kisanga is always talking about, you know, you have to brush your teeth every day or you, one should, and you, you know, you have to get in and out of bed and those opportunities of putting your feet on the floor are a moment to just sit for a minute. Can you talk about some ways that like, if, you know, our caller is struggling that they can try to fit in a little something so that they can get that one to two minutes in a day? Yeah, I I love deep breaths. I be deep breathing through everything (laughs) in this life. (laughs) Uh, So when I wake up in the morning, I'll take 10 deep breaths. And I'll often think about a few things that I'm grateful for. Um, I'm I'm also the habit uh, pairing person yeah. as well. So the brushing the teeth that Kesanga also shared, I'll do that as well. As after I'm done brushing my teeth, I'll look at myself in the mirror and take a few more deep breaths, and then I'll continue on before I touch my phone. I'll, I won't take a deep breath, but I'll just notice why I'm using my phone and what's going on. Why do I feel drawn to use my phone in this moment? I can share more personal examples, but I think it's also important to look at your own life and notice those things maybe that you do more habitually that you can begin to insert more moments of meditation and mindfulness. So maybe you work at an office job and before you get into the office, when you're in your car, you can take a moment just to place a hand on your heart and connect to your body and notice the different thoughts that you have before you enter into the office or, you know, finding things that are easy for you, finding moments in your day that are easy for you to incorporate meditation will be the way that you're able to stay consistent with it. Yeah. So that's what I want to invite this listener to do is just like finding those moments in the day where you can easily input meditation and mindfulness into your routine. That's really great because it's like, and 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 that part about what's the moment of why you're going to do something because it's like I think about I should do a meditation right now, but like, oh, but I already pushed it so late for taking the shower, and then now I've got to get here, here, and here. And for me, it's almost always like a I'm rushing to do that next thing, and I, you know, and so, but like in reality, wouldn't be awful to just take those three deep breaths. I mean, even in the shower, you can meditate as well. That was something that I used to do when I first started. So it's like rinsing the day away. I'd notice, okay, I can feel the water on my body. Uh, Everything that I want to release, I'll imagine it going down the drain and then another deep breath. And it's like, okay, I'm filling up myself with maybe kindness and compassion. And you got to get creative with it. I think people think it's like... 
I don't know why I'm thinking about like a bodybuilder's lunch where they only eat like chicken <laughs> yeah, breast, yeah, yeah. asparagus, and rice. And then they just eat that for like three months. I'm like, with the practice, you got to switch it up a little bit. Maybe you have some pesto carrots <laughs> instead of asparagus. Like trying it out and seeing what works for you because it's going to get monot- monotonous. It's going to get boring. Yeah. Uh, it's going to turn into like this chore that we have to do as if we have to vacuum our entire house. And obviously you're not going to want to come back and do no. it. So really getting creative with the ways that you're choosing to practice and trying different things out. Well, wonderful, wonderful advice. I hope that there's something in there for our caller. And thank you for that question. It was quick. It was right to the point. And, and those are sometimes the best questions. Yeah, yeah. And one tip, I think Eve shared this with me of like scheduling it in mm. into your calendar. So actually putting it into your calendar the same way that you put meetings but like five minutes of me time. Eve has a great five-day course in the app that talks about taking five minutes for yourself. And sometimes I'll do that whole entire course throughout my day, and it's only five minutes. So oh, that's awesome. Schedule the time in. Okay, I'm scheduling. Mm-hmm. I'm a, that's, I can do that. I'm a scheduler, so that, that works. <laughs> okay. We can all do that. <laughs> yeah. We can schedule. Okay, we will be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Here is our last question. My name is Leron. My question is about addiction to the phone. Uh, so I find myself feeling the physical urge of of getting stimulations from my phone, of always like trying to see. I don't know what I'm even trying to do because like it's been a few years that I don't have any notifications from anything and I'm trying to be more aware of the time I spent in my phone and like I don't know deleting social apps for a while because I find myself getting into this for no reason and um, and I feel this urge like it gives me stress and unpleasant feeling. Sometimes I try to open my day uh, with my phone turned off and most of the time it really makes me feel much better but unfortunately I can't do this every day and I also work with my phone and communicate and all the things you already know that everyone is doing with their phones and are good. Um, So I would really love your help. Uh, so thank you very much and also I didn't say I'm from Israel and I really like your podcast and your app so thank you bye bye sorry for the bad accent your accent is lovely thank you for your question so good and I think this question 
it's just so relevant to so many people. I, I can't yeah. watch a TV show at night without like flipping my phone over 57 times and there'll be moments where I'm like, yeah. what am I doing? Why am I still doing this? Yeah, I love that. You know, I just finished writing five episodes on Radio Headspace about my relationship with social media because I'm at a point where I'm not going to be on it for my 31st birthday. Like forever? Like you're considering getting off entirely? For a year, yeah. I want to see Whoa. how different my life will be and how much my creativity will flourish if I'm not online. And so this is something that I, I, I was writing about of like looking at both sides. And one of the episodes, we talk about the neuroscience of your phone addiction yeah. because it's a real thing. I shared how I was on retreat and we did like a digital renunciation ceremony. So everyone was invited to put the devices into a box and then you get your phone back at the end of the retreat. So I know in my mind, I've seen it. I've given my phone over to someone. And still the next morning, I was having these like phantom sensations <gasps> of my phone buzzing. Really? Yeah. And I would I would notice like I would go to grab my phone and I'm like, but Dora, like you gave your phone away what? yesterday, you know? And so this is like, a, it's like a real thing that people are struggling with. And yeah. as a psychiatric nurse, I'm like, is there actually like an addiction with this? And it is. It's a thing. Yeah. You know, like it's becoming a real addiction for people. And so knowing that, I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be a part yeah. of this because I realized what was happening to me while I was on retreat. So I just want to name that I'm here with you <laughs> on this journey of like redefining my relationship to my phone and to social media because it can be really stressful and frustrating. But I also want to name that the awareness that you had around the different thoughts and emotions and sensations and even behaviors yep. around your phone because that's how we start to create change is just simply by being aware. Yeah you know, and noticing what's going on in those moments, that's where change can start to happen. So I'm like full body, like, yes, of like, oh, this is such a great topic. And I'm so happy we're talking about this. Yeah. You know, I think these habits get formed and they're very, and, yeah. and they're, they're formed for whatever reason. And then they're very difficult yeah. to break. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy that you talked about habits because, you know, 70% of what we do is done habitually. Yeah. And so when you add your phone into that, you're just doing this thing uh, on autopilot constantly. So to be able to then break that cycle, there's a lot that you have to overcome in yeah. that, right? Like you said, okay, I'm going to clear out my email. For me, I'm like, I'm going to check on my family and send a text. And then I'm like, I'm on Instagram on my ex's grandmother's page. Like, <laughs> how did I get here? You know, <laughs> like it just, and you do it without even thinking about it. Oh my it. God, the wormholes. How one thing leads you to the next to the next like I'm I'm like yeah Google sleuthing the weirdest things for like an hour and then I'm like what happened I'm like what happened to my friend in grade four I yes. wonder if she's on Facebook like trying to find her and I'm like Dora it's been three hours how did we get here I was just doing the same exact thing with some girl who went to high school <laughs> like there was like a tragedy that happened in her life I was like I better get to the bottom of this and I was like yeah. knee deep in her relatives pages like I don't know any of these people I solved yeah, it, Dora. Yeah. <laughs> I did solve the riddle. But like, I did not feel better about myself after. Yeah. So, I mean, awareness is your best friend on this journey of just simply 
beginning to notice why am I using my mm. phone? What purpose does it serve? What am I searching for? That's another thing. That's why I'm on a self-improvement strike is like oftentimes when I'm trying to search for answers, I'll go to Amazon and I'll just buy a bunch of books. And I'm like, that feels really good though, Dora. <laughs> it does, but it's not really solving like I did the something. answer that I'm trying I got a book. to solve. I have so many books that I haven't even read before. And then I'm like, oh, I'm still stuck in the same pattern. And I'm like, something something has got to change, you know? So being aware, awareness, setting an intention for the times that you do use your phone. I love my iPhone that I have because then I can like, you, you can set, set a time for how long you want to be on social media and like block certain apps. There's another app called Freedom that I used to mm. use and it will literally like shut everything yeah. down for two hours or however long you need to focus. But also letting people in your life know because another reason why I use my phone is so that my parents can get a hold of me or other yeah. family members. And so I tar- started to let them know like, hey, at 8 p.m. my phone is off until 8 a.m. the yeah. next day just so that they're aware. And then I had to buy an actual clock for my alarm instead of using my phone as the yeah. alarm because, again, it's so easy when you wake up. They still up make them. Isn't like, that weird? <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, yeah. So doing those little things to start protecting your time. And there's a lot of resources now that yeah. you have that you may have to use your phone for to get. But once you have that set in place, it's much easier to then create a more harmonious relationship with your cellular device. Yeah, I also think turning off notifications where where possible is really helpful. I have no sounds associated with text because I could feel my anxiety rising when I would be getting yeah. texts. Like I, I'm supposed to be yeah. responding. I'm supposed to. So I just shut them all off and I just will yeah. respond when I can. And I also tell everyone in my life, I'm not great on text. And so you just have to expect that from me. Cause I'm I like I'm not gonna yeah. be I'm not gonna be immediate. If you want to immediately get me call. Yeah, I think you named something uh, important there, the anxiety that can come up. Like, I'll notice that whenever I'm like, oh, I should check for my phone. And I'm like slowly retracting my arm. And I'm like, but what about if I'm missing out on something and something amazing has happened that I won't be able to be a part of? And just for a moment, if you can, just noticing that feeling. For Mm. me, it's like a buzzing feeling that I have in my body. So I'll notice the sensation. I'll notice the different thoughts, maybe the emotion that's attached to it. And I'll just stop. And then usually, I want to say eight out of 10 times, I won't look at my phone and I'll go back and do something else. I'll even celebrate that moment. When you're first starting out, (laughs) I'll take a moment to celebrate. Look what I did. Yeah. I'm like, okay, good job, Dora. Like, write it down. (laughs) It can happen. It's a possibility. (laughs) And then continue to work that mindful muscle because it is such a thing that we do habitually on autopilot where we're not even thinking about it and we're looking at our phones. (laughs) Yeah. And also recognizing like there is research to show that, you know, social media is an addiction Mm -hmm. and using our phones can become an addiction. So there is a withdrawal period, which I realized what was happening when I was on retreat of like (laughs) my physical body (laughs) is literally (laughs) withdrawing from using my phone and the different weird sensations that I was experiencing and like that pull from my mind of like, I just need to use my phone. Luckily, I was on a silent retreat. So it's like I'm able to work with those thoughts. But if you're just in your everyday life, like it's a real, real thing that can happen of being in withdrawal from your phone. So I just wanted to name that and also name compassion is so important a part of this process because, again, I'm sure that there's going to be so many other people that are like, yeah, I'm struggling with this thing as well. So yeah, you're not alone for sure. Absolutely. 
Liron, thank you for that question. It was just, it's just like another reminder to slow down, it feels like. It's like part of that yeah. kind of like that rat racy mentality that I, I I can't speak for you, but I know I get swept up in pretty darn easily. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I think we're all a part of the rat race at this point if you're <laughs> on social media in some way. It's really true. It's really true. <laughs> yeah. Well, as always, Dora, I mean, you're just, your wisdom shines through, your calm demeanor. I always, I, I leave here just calmer than when I started. And now I have some tips for putting my phone down. So this is a, a win, 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 win. Yeah, I'm just so happy that we can talk about these things. And I hope that when folks are listening, despite me being a mindfulness expert, I'm doing quote, <laughs> quote fingers here. I, you know, you are a mindfulness <laughs> you know, expert. You, I'm giving you, take the quotes out. <laughs> I, I'm quite quoting it because I'm also a human being and I struggle with all these same things that everyone has shared today. So I hope that also, that also shines through as well as that you're not alone no matter where you are on your journey. Absolutely. And thank you to all of our listeners who called in with their questions today. I mean, we just, we always appreciate your trust in us. And if you are at home and you have a problem and it's just taking up too much space in your brain, I say reach out. It's so simple to record a question. All you have to do is go to sayhi.chat slash dearheadspace. And of course, that link is going to be in the show notes. And look, if we use your question in the show, you're going to get three months of Headspace for free for yourself. You can share it a gift, what have you. A gift. <laughs> and yeah, I love these questions. I appreciate all of them. And as always, we're going to leave you with a few moments here just to reflect and integrate and process everything that we have shared. So enjoy the rain running over rocks. Take a deep breath and just allow your mind and body to be at ease. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and be kind to each other.
Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohn, Baron Farmer, and Danny Christamy. Our production coordinator is Taylor Jennings-Brown. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, Eve Lewis Prieto, and Rosie Acosta. Post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Mergia. And a special thanks to Colleen Lutz. 